guys doing us or the audience is this, is this you, like a, the people at the table man, Jamie I'm doing Nash great. and Jimmy George and I'm Bob Rose hey guys we're back <laughs> we're gonna talk about the movie that made shawarma sales go up shawarma for months after its release it, it kind of did for shawarma what Reese's Pieces did for E.T. E. did for Reese's Pieces <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Et would have never gone anywhere if it wasn't for Reese's. Yeah, I kind of wish though it like stayed. Like Schwarmer just became so big, <laughs> they started selling it like vending machines. <laughs> Get your Iron Man Schwarmer. Mick Schwarmer. Mick Schwarmer. <laughs> I honestly love Schwarmer though. I do too. It's a never lot. Never had it. It's really great. I love chicken Schwarmer. Where do you get it? Well, I guess this wouldn't make sense. I'm going to give a plug. I'll give a plug to Hummus Corner in Reisterstown, Maryland. They make okay. a nice. good chicken shawarma. Okay, I'm going there. They, they have sponsor. They're sponsoring the podcast. Sponsoring the podcast. Just they, this I, one. When I walk in there, they're like, you know, the guy's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? He knows me. So, yeah. He thinks your name's Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I love Rene Russo, so. <laughs> really? That's a weird That's a joke. Bizarre. That's a weird joke. All right, we're going to okay. talk about the Avengers. <laughs> what a weird clunky opening for yeah. a it's perfect. Oh, yeah, it's a perfect metaphor. It's appropriate. Speaking of clunky openings, the Avenger. No. <laughs> who, is, who is this Joss Whedon guy? Let's yeah, talk about Joss he? Whedon. Who yeah. is he? He's a he first worked, we were just talking about it on Roseanne. Yeah. And I was, talk, I, think? I was talking about how I was watching um I have a DVD of all the Roseanne Halloween episodes and I was revisiting it last Halloween and it was just one episode after another that was awesome and then in the credits he was Joss Whedon was in the credits for it I was like whoa I didn't know that so yeah yeah and I think like at the same time he was doing like script doctor work for like I remember Speed was the one he's oh, most proud okay. of like, Alien he, Resurrection yeah. anyone yeah <laughs> Alien Resurrection um what other ones do you I think do? he disowns that pretty much right like, does he yeah. yeah 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 I agree paid the bills uh yeah, but I, so he was doing script consulting. Then he did a little movie called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which uh, came out and he didn't not, like not to so his much. liking. So yeah. now it's beloved. Yeah. Now it's beloved. Lo- yeah, I love it. I actually <laughs> really like the movie. So yeah, <laughs> Paul Rubens is in it. it. Can't be too bad. Right? <laughs> He's uh, the best part of that movie. He is the best Luke part. Luke Perry, man. Yeah, Luke Perry. Great cast. And Colin then, Sutherland. And then from there he got the tv show buffy i mean it makes it sound like the movie gave him the yeah, TV, right. which is the exact opposite of what <laughs> it was happened him, you know, the, the tv show is him fixing a mistake it fixing and, a mistake yeah, yeah and and he came up with this classic kind of buffy verse yeah um followed by of course angel, angel. and then firefly die, and die hard fan of buffy and angel i thought you were a die hard fan <laughs> I I like, a di- i'm a die hard fan did he write that die hard. <laughs> one oh, through three one through three and and a, and a die hard buffy angel fan not so much firefly which i realize sets me in this weird other box because people are obsessed with firefly for me firefly is fine it's fine Mm. no it's not bad i just it's fine i never 
It's not enough I of it for me it. to go it's nuts. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. I like Serenity. No, no brown coats that, here. No, 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 no brown, brown coats. coats. But it's, it's definitely a quality How show. How many years after um, Firefly was over was Serenity? What was? I the, don't think it was yeah, that I long. I don't need you to look it no, up. I don't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to say four. So it was close proximity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It took some like fan noise. Yeah. And stuff to get there, so it wasn't like a decade or anything, okay. or, or even as no. long as Star Trek the movie after Star Trek. I was yeah. working at a video store when it came out, oh, so right. how weird wow. is that? And yeah, they were still alive, right? It, no, I like rented that to people at a wow. counter. Me on VHS? No, no. DVD. DVD. I think VHS <laughs> were pretty gone. much gone by then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Josh Whedon, that I mean, he's a TV yeah. guy. Yeah, TV guy. I mean, he's de- yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I would say his it, most of his writing is definable as. TV. So how did he get the Avengers? Yeah, so he was talking about on the... Uh, he starts the commentary saying, the number one question people ask me is, why did they hire you to do this movie? And um, Jimmy, you recently watched the commentary. I, I watched the commentary. We all watched the yeah. movie recently, but yeah. you watched and the commentary. I watched commentary. the commentary, okay. and uh, he said it was just based on his relationships and the people who... Uh, Ke- how do you pronounce it? Figgy? Kevin Feige. Fe- I think Feige. Ke- Kevin Feige, he Feige. said. Feige. 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 Uh, Feige. I, I think you of... pronounce it Jif. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, the, uh, he was saying that those, the, the powers that be understood his passion for uh, comic books, specifically the Avengers. And it was just based on his pre-existing relationships. I, and I guess he was doing he, his X-Men run. The X-Men the run was pretty big. Yeah, I remember that. And it so, it yeah. felt similar in some ways tonally to his uh, the Avengers. In, in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, it's it self-aware a little bit, but also respected the characters and the situations. Yeah, like so, Buffy, you mean? Like Buffy? <laughs> like Buffy? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what Buffy is. It's a self-aware <laughs> vampire show. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. So it was just about did, that. Yeah. Did he mention at all? Because of course, Zach Penn wrote. The uh, first draft, uh, Zach Penn, Ready Player One. We yeah, you know, about that we just uh, talked about. That. Uh, yeah. So d- did Zach Penn? Uh, did he talk about that first draft at all? Because what I remember seeing the headlines was that he really trashed it in some ways. He, I, I, he didn't talk about. He didn't Zach talk about Penn it very much in the commentary. Could, and and in fact, well, you're saying he's... that you're saying that Joss Whedon trashed Zach Penn's first draft. Yes. Okay. Yes, because uh, Zach Penn apparently, and and to give Zach Penn some you know credit or, or yeah some defense i think zach penn's original draft of the script he was working on it throughout the marvel incarnation so yeah he, he wasn't that makes sense yeah he wasn't so he actually for example i think i heard that thor wasn't really in his draft because they weren't sure if thor was going to work in the movie right so and it, it was even a draft of zach penn, that zach penn wrote where Thor was introduced in the Avengers. Like, that was going to be his introduction, which I could kind of see. So Zach Penn had been working on something based on the pre-existing movies building up to this, and and sort of Marvel was assuming this is how the Avengers would be. And I think it was a moving train. Yeah, that makes sense. So He does not discuss that at all. When Josh Whedon showed up and they hired him, Josh Whedon took one look at the script. Josh. Josh! (laughs) um, I was wondering one of us is going to do it. um, It's it's funny, too, because I'm actually saying Josh... But I say it with an H. It's like Cool Whip or whatever. <laughs> cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool I, Whip. I, I, whip. I, that's, it's like my lisp. I'm actually saying Josh. Josh. I'm sorry that I, um, I feel bad. So like, now, you're, like now you're making fun of me. Hey, making fun of a disability. Now. Making fun of a disability. Um, it's my Baltimore on accent. Um, but so 
when he first saw the script, I'm just calling him he now. Yeah. When Whedon, Whedon, when my, Whedon, when my Whedon, friend Josh Whedon, Whedon. Whedon. I'll, I'll pronounce Whedon. the H. Yeah. Whedon. Whedon. Uh, when, when he <laughs> when he first saw the script, he 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 said, "Yeah, I'm not going to make this movie," and he he supposedly threw it out and but completely the, wrote. A but he kept script. they kept the name out of. The Avengers? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> what was it originally I mean, called? Zach Penn's superhero fun time. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Men and women in tights. Yeah. Super friends. Um, City fight. <laughs> uh, so, did are you asking? Did Zach Penn still get credit? Is that? Did he? Do you think he just got credit? Th- yeah. There must have been enough elements yeah. to the actual story that he did keep. Like the probably the bigger. Story yeah. I could believe the open was basically kept. I mean, like that doesn't really have Joss Whedon's stamp on it as much. We don't have there. We don't have any place on our list um, to talk about like the random writing things he talked about. But so there were some interesting things that he said. Um, there was so much prep work to be done that they were like, "You have to give us something," you know. Mm-hmm. Even though he was still working on the script, so he had to write the whole big climax and we'll get into that later the mechanics of it he had to write that first so they could hand it to the effects people two years in advance before they had anything set in stone so he wrote the the whole end and he didn't have anything else yet set in stone right. to get that. there because he had to because everybody he had like teams of people who I, needed to be i've building heard similar things. stories like on spider-man 2 like the train sequence in Spider-Man two was already storyboarded before they even had a story. Yeah. And he, so, so, so the fight, so the Iron Man, he, he was really gracious in the way he described this. Um, and I thought he was really gracious throughout the um, thing, but it's funny. I don't remember him (laughs) mentioning Zach Penn at all. I don't think he has any hatred towards Zach Penn. He's just speaking honestly. But he talks a lot in the, in the commentary. If you're listening to this, he does talk a lot about the writing process of this movie a lot. Um, the the Thor and Captain America, I mean the the Thor and the Iron Man fight, that was not his. He they brought it to him. A bunch of peop, a bunch of storyboard and effects people um, had been wanting this fight in the movie since its inception. Like it's, we have to have a, a scene fight. that very much feels cuttable. From yeah, the movie. exactly. Yeah. But and I still enjoy it. So I, still and, enjoy I, it. I would no. not and, want to cut. And he said yeah. down to he said his job with that see with that scene was to make it motivated he said my only creative at, um contribution to this fight is how to make the fight make sense within the framework of the story right. i had nothing to do and he said he said he was talking about shot for shot that were other people's ideas he's like the first thing they gave me was there's like this under shot with with their like striking each other and it's from underneath of them their right. fists together he was like someone actually showed that to me and was like we want them to fight <laughs> Um, I knew, I knew best th- line in the movie, in my opinion, too. One of the best lines is him going, uh, Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah. Uh, oh, he yeah. interrupts or something, <laughs> Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> That's great. That's, That's a great, great line. <laughs> so one of the one of the things with Zach Penn as well, going back to that, of the story by, the only stipulation they gave um, uh, Joss. 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 Uh, the only stipulation they gave him for the Avengers script, he had to include all the Avengers. Loki had to be the villain. Uh, in the, at the midpoint, there had to be a battle between the good guys, or in the in the middle, not necessarily the midpoint. Oh, they gave him that. Yeah, they they said he had to have that. He was required to have that, and there had to be a big epic showdown with the yeah. bad guys in the end. So 
that might have been enough similarities to Zach Penn's script. He probably had the same marching orders. And then if he had scenes like you mentioned as well, that would probably be enough to get him some kind of credit. On yeah, the screen that part. makes sense. Yeah. And then, so don't, then, don't you feel like the opening, the writing, and even almost execution feels like an X Men movie more than yeah, it does? That's a good point. Than it does an mm-hmm. Avengers. And Zach Penn wrote, right, a couple X Men movies, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah just that. You're right. It, it doesn't does. feel like I a Whedon open. Them. It it's a little bit clunkier than I yeah. think Whedon would make it, and it yeah. it it just feels like that could be left over. Yeah. Could be. It doesn't even feel yeah. like it's part of the movie because, like, the title is separated from the actual yeah. movie. <laughs> the title, you know, the Avengers title yeah, itself. Yeah. 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 So. The Firefly has, like, this weird kind of clunky opening that's action oriented. Like, it does. Yeah. You're right. It does. It does. I could be wrong completely. I'm just guessing Slight, here. Slightly similar. Um, I, though, I don't know. Well, who knows? So, we'll the, have to ask Zach Penn. Uh, right. Yeah. We can't. We, well, we don't have him on. Here he is. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, what do you Zach. think? Hey, guys. <laughs> I mean, so this being the first big team up movie, the approach, as you were talking about, as you both were talking about, had to be really almost all. It's weird because we were saying it doesn't feel like a movie. And it being yeah. the first giant team up movie, maybe the, this is the first time this in was ever history? attempted in history. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a traditional movie. Yeah. I didn't at appreciate. All. So, you know, amidst the first time I saw it in 2012, amidst all the hoopla, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of um, subtracted for me away from what its responsibility was, which is like it's shouldering the weight of so much shit. At that time, four franchises, all those franchises, all of the fan expectation for their for the like the history of comic books you know and no one's ever done anything like this and i think for what it has to shoulder it succeeds so well literally the best film going experience i think i might have ever had wow it was was there's no people were falling out of their chairs in the theater but when i watched it i was kind of like this was good but you know removed from all the hoopla and like knowing where it's gone since then Mm -hmm. and how like if this didn't work like think of how many more movies wouldn't yeah it's iron man and this and then going forward you could point to a few more but those two movies had to work for this all to work there'd be no guardians yeah there'd be none none of that yeah i remember when the movie came out I don't know that I was bored of superhero movies or something, but the one thing I hadn't seen from any of these superhero movies was teaming them all up together yeah. in a big way. So it it, it kind of gets lost. We f- might forget about that now, many years later when we've seen a lot of so team many. up movies. Yeah. But that was the first where they were like, can they pull this can off? They pull this can off? they put all these characters together yeah. and still make it work? Will yeah. it make sense? And yeah. it did. It did. Do you think that even uh, considering all the things we just talked about with Zach Penn, Whedon's good with an ensemble. Yeah. And that comes from television. Yeah. I mean, he's good at writing lots of dialogue with lots of characters in one room, staring yeah. at each other and quipping. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what Buffy <laughs> and Angel are. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, even as much as they're called Buffy and Angel, they're group shows for sure. It's a team. They're yeah. the Scoobies yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So. It's, it's an ensemble show. It works. He found an incredible way to, to give everybody something to do. He was saying in the commentary that the first draft was 190 pages and, uh, and Hawkeye was just kind of standing around in every single scene so it once he uh figured out that he needed to have hawkeye be b 
be like sort of a villain that reshaped the whole story and Which then it ended Jeremy up Renner hated by the way yeah no and he he <laughs> even said he felt bad making yeah it. he was like this is his time to shine and i was like you're not going to be an avenger actually until the end of the movie i um, i heard there were also earlier drafts and this speaks to this where the wasp was in it or, yeah and, he said there were more, more there was even ultron there were more so there were more heroes <laughs> really? and yeah. villains it was it was way more, he described it as being way more bloated and then um the two things the two the two breaks in the story that streamlined it were um hawkeye and coulson once he figured out the the coulson angle um now he, so so he no he so he was ordered to kill coulson we call him phil phil yeah <laughs> He said in the, that that he was from Why from are you the calling him Phil? from the time he was hired on that he he was like ordered to kill Coulson, so he was heavily against that. But once he figured out how to make that work and th- everybody to be motivated around the loss of his character, that made it go from make, like uh, no, well specifically, I think not just that. Make Nick Fury exploit it, which gave <laughs> yes. Nick Fury. Nick Fury has a pretty good through line in this movie, yeah. where I think you understand him for the first time more than ever. Yeah. Like you know the what lengths. I mean? I think I really do think like yeah. Jackson's arc works. In oh, it's this movie. so good. And that was yeah. another interesting thing that he said that you wouldn't like know. And and I didn't. Jamie had the script, but I didn't read the script. But all of the um, Nick Fury and the council scenes, mm-hmm. they he took them out of the script, so they just shot him. And he decided where to place it. It didn't matter to him. Oh. He just found pacing wise where it fit where it into fit the story. In he 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 was like, I'm just gonna shoot all of these, and then I'll figure out where they work later. But they weren't like you know, right? The, yeah. The script that's, that's a weird thing. Yeah, the script that's online, and people can go check it out. Just Google it. You'll find it. It's all over the place. It struck me. I did a quick read through, and it seemed like more of a production script, like something they'd. They do after, after the, fact, the fact, probably for Oscar submissions yeah, and stuff okay. like that. It didn't necessarily feel <laughs> like the rough. <laughs> yeah, it felt yeah. thrown together. Yeah, like you honestly like for the WGA, I get these books. They send me these books of the printed screenplay, and they they do tend to be some cleaned up version. Like yeah. the one I was most interested in always was like the Force Awakens because I was hoping there'd be some secrets they left behind, <laughs> and, there was, and there wasn't. It was like so cleaned up, and, and you could just tell it's the, the exact words. screen movie. It is okay. It is. But yeah, he discussed how there was there were a lot more characters, and it was way more bloat, even more bloated than it was than it well, ended up being. Yeah, we so. think that was just from the actual task being so huge. Yeah, he went overboard with it. Yeah, everything. I mean, he, he's it, a fan, so it, it would right, be an easy right. movie to make that big. Yeah, so and he did a great job of giving each of the heroes their own arcs and stories Absolutely. and motivations. And whenever you have that, you know, times five, times six, times <laughs> yeah. seven, it just you, it can be did, huge. Did you guys ever? Um, I think my one complaint with the deleted scenes in this movie is they cut out um, Cap in one scene dealing with him cu- waking up. Oh mm. yeah, it's it's online. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. It's a great scene for character building. So he he discussed that too. Did he discuss it. He, he okay. discussed it. He said originally he shot um, three or four scenes of Cap captain america dealing with the man out of time aspect because mm-hmm. it hadn't really been dealt with right post the events the last time we saw him and uh all he was trying to do with those scenes was capture his sense of uh isolation and uh loneliness and he said he felt that 
the punching bag scene where you just see all the punching yeah. bags on the floor captured isolation and loneliness on its own and didn't need all that extra shit. It probably needed run yeah. time too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and to cut it from two hours and 30 minutes to two hours and 28. I still 28. really like those deleted scenes, though. I mean, yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what he's yeah. saying, but yeah. it really just... it Because Cap just comes in. It's just... Yeah. It's so brief, yeah. you know. Should have been fine. a post-credit sequence on, <laughs> on Thor. <laughs> now here's Cap learning how a television works. Yeah. But it was just... <laughs> yeah. It was interesting... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's this remote? What's yeah. this? A remote control? Just an old man getting lost <laughs> in a like department store. Oh, man. Captain America is my favorite character. Yo, he's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I mean, I, um, yeah. yeah, we're not okay. talking about the the, uh, the but trails it, though, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, why, why does Marvel work so well though? Let's talk about that. Why does the, because like, this is the linchpin that I think enabled it to get to ten years, enabled it to be Infinity War. I, I think the simplest answer is the characters. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's the simplest answer. I was thinking about this coming here because, again, characters is so simple. But Marvel has this thing where it's specific characters with these these abilities. or And, and they're almost like curses. In most of, whereas, yeah. whereas in DC, a lot of the characters grow up with it. You know, yeah. Batman grew up with the problem. Right. Superman grew up as Superman. Wonder Woman grew up as... But in these cases, Iron Man became Iron Man. He was already rich, you know, he had yeah. his problems. Um, Captain America was a hero, a war guy, and then he became Captain America. Yeah. So I don't know if that, there's something about that that... Even Thor was, even was a prince, but he didn't become Thor until... He they, didn't in become the first Thor. movie, he becomes Thor kind of in that movie. Really. Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I, I think that might have something to do with the way their characters are, because they're less... They're less pure, almost, or something. Yeah, and they, they're really they're conflicted. Flawed. They're, they're, they're all these flawed, flawed people who are handed these, yeah. these, uh, you know, powers and responsibilities. They're almost Spider-Man all esque. humanized. Here's the thing: even is, though a lot of them are not. Here's how good Marvel human. is. Like, um, I love these movies, and I love the MCU, and I, lo- I love, I love this movie, you know, and I love all the characters. But I'm a DC guy. How about I, that? I prefer those heroes and i prefer the purity and the fact that you're not supposed to relate to them their ideas i prefer yeah. that yeah. that interests me more because i don't really in the case of uh superheroes and such and the writing and everything i prefer them not to have my problems so you don't want them to be people i was never yeah. a spider-man fan yeah. i don't care like i don't want yeah. i want them to be dealing with things bigger than me and i want them to be things i look up to okay. and to aspire to aspire be not to be. something i could be like well if i had this power i'd also have this to take, how i'd have to deal with i'd also it. have to yeah. eat my fiber you know like yeah. I, I don't want that <laughs> so these movies are so good that they they brought me over to marvel in a way i don't think that i ever was even though i love the hawk growing up and I, i'm a big fan of thor and everything but like they brought me to Marvel. They sh- they actually like. I think they have the ability to make people who didn't appreciate Marvel appreciate them again. Yeah, and that's the best thing I can say because it did it better than the comics did for that's me. That's my question because yeah. I'm I'm not a comic guy. Um, I and so this I, movie I, especially is my point. So on that, yeah, the DC movies, even the DC movies that came before the DC universe that is today, which we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, every single movie. Even Thor, because a lot of it takes place on Earth, um, is grounded in our reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't feel like Gotham City. It doesn't feel like uh, it feels like it's here and now. And I feel like the the grounded in reality, every single 
one of these characters and stories that we've seen so far feels like it could it, it doesn't feel like it could happen but it does the mcu feels very present yes that's what that's it's the word not i'm looking for it's, it's not yeah, otherworldly it's at all really yeah. tangible yeah like oh if there was a guy who was rich and uh made a flying suit i could see that happening you know which is mean? weird because like this is not to, we're not going to talk about the other one but this is like the more cartoonish fun colorful universe whereas if you looked at the other one it is like the more gritty yeah dark the one. irony in that it's, that's a, a, it's really weird how we got weird here. paradoxes it's yeah, really a lot wonder. of weird stuff but yeah, it, this one good point. this feels more now and here and yeah. it's just a present with us well, yeah. well 9 11 i think is inherent in the avengers i think so like too it's really inherent in the DC universe. And man, yeah, yes. Man of Steel was like man 9-11 in the movie. It's, please, let's not talk about DC. We're not going to. Ever, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you're asking. It's relevant. It's a relevant thing. Yeah, Bob's, it's relevant. Yeah, Bob's always angry. Um, <laughs> so, that's I, your I, secret. <laughs> that's a secret. I love DC, man. I always have. I'm not, not saying that. And I think, I think with Marvel... That's where a lot of the humor comes from is these characters and stuff. The fact that they're modern people. It's almost like they're giving us five hand solos. We yeah. really don't have a Luke Skywalker. In the they're group. all they cool in their own right somehow. Yeah. They yeah. like This movie accomplishes that really well. Yeah. I think it makes almost all of them, maybe with the exception of Banner, but properly with Banner. Properly. Like he does, he's not strutting. Yeah. But all the rest of them kind of strut in this movie in yeah. the proper he, way. Even like, he does a little bit. Yeah, like, I guess he like does. Like, think about his end. scene with uh, well, Black Widow when he, yeah. when, he, when he jumps at the table just to kind of get her. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and uh, he has, like, maybe the best moment in the entire movie. Yeah, he does. definitely. Right. So... Yeah. Couple he, of them. Yeah. Everyone looks cool at some point. Even like Hawkeye has a moment. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? The He's guy, got a couple though. Yeah. If the, the script succeeds anywhere, it's that. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. And the, I mean, even Coulson has, has his own way. You know, he's kind of snarky and quippy and cool. Yeah. Too. It's kind of his movie up to that point, right? Yeah. Until he dies. Yeah. The, the only guy, maybe that, si the scientist. He's not cool. <laughs> that, that the Galaga guy. Yeah. Right? He's, not, he's not really cool. He's not that cool. But. It it's uh, I mean like the the conceit is I think it works completely because we've also lived with these characters yeah. too. No one had ever done that before. Oh, you know, it's really you impressive. never lived with. I mean, Iron Man. We lived with two movies before we even got here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Everything's established. Think of all the time too in the writing you don't have to worry about. Yeah, no one in that theater needs to know a damn thing about Iron Man. Yeah walking in yeah that's a really important yeah, really right important. Yeah. yeah basically if this movie didn't happen we would have never had the tom cruise mummy movie <laughs> yeah that's, think about that people that's... no it's really true i yeah. liked one aspect of that movie i didn't see one it. I, I can't yeah, wait I to hear it <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> i tell you what it was it was right. the it was the dr jekyll portrayal <laughs> and mr hyde uh, nice. it was very accurate to the book <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the movie was the rest of the movie yeah um Opening scene in MacGuffins. Yeah. What's a MacGuffin and the history of that? Yeah, I I just thought with it, there's definitely this thing in, in the Marvel Universe and superhero movies in general that they have almost pure MacGuffins, yeah. don't they? Well, it's one big MacGuffin <laughs> that has a lot of small MacGuffins attached to it. <laughs> yeah. it's, the it's, Infinity Gauntlet is yeah, the MacGuffin it of is. this yeah, entire they're thing. Going, they're building to yeah, that. We're about been, to see that. Yeah. So, so yeah, the Infinity Stones tesseracts <laughs> yeah. uh, infinity gauntlets these are MacGuffins. the MacGuffins are simply uh this thing that hitchcock came up with and i don't even know how useful they were are so i kind of <laughs> want to talk about that a little bit but it's basically just the thing people are after yeah and and hitchcock's purest version i think he was almost making fun of them 
or, or maybe even making fun of the audience or something by saying the more interchangeable they are, the more MacGuffin-y they are. Oh, know? really? Yeah, that was his thing. So uh, the perfect example, For an example of yeah. MacGuffin would be like the Pulp Fiction briefcase. Oh, briefcase. You know, right. Because yeah. it could yeah. be anything. Yeah. It could be a bag of money. It could be a nuclear coat or yeah. uh, a bomb or whatever. Um, I point to Indiana Jones movies. They're MacGuffin heavy movies. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So the Holy Grail, the, the Holy, the the Holy Grail has been the MacGuffin in many movies, right? Yeah, uh, including like uh, Monty Python. Movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so those are typical MacGuffins as well. And if it, if basically, I think the rule that Hitchcock had was that if they were interchangeable and he really didn't affect the plot by what they were. That was a true MacGuffin. Like, that's yeah. the point I think he was getting at. They've sort of become, it's sort of evolved to this thing where even the One Ring is a MacGuffin. But yeah. the One Ring kind of does affect the plot. Yeah. You know, it has certain powers. Right, that it's right. not interchangeable. You yeah. couldn't just flip it out for a I think the term box of gold. has kind of extended beyond that, though. I, I think you're right. I think it doesn't matter that it's interchangeable. It just is the thing yeah. that they're chasing. I, or... I've, I've even heard people just basically extend it to the character goal. You yeah. know, like it could be a psychological cool. MacGuffin or a person. Oh, a psychological so, MacGuffin. Uh, you know. but I've never I, heard that. I, I think like they that. want to be happy. <laughs> that MacGuffin is happiness. I, I think it's almost getting to the point where what's the purpose of using the term MacGuffin? Yeah. You can just use a goal. Uh, but I think the reason, you know, MacGuffins were so popular, it really just it was like, let's throw this thing in that one side wants and the bad guys want. So then there's conflict. It's something to fight over. It's something to yeah, fight over. Yeah, and it's easy. It's yeah. simple. We well, can understand okay. it. It's visual. So it's with visual. That, with what you said in mind, um, the MacGuffin in this specific movie, would that be the Tesseract? Because Yeah, definitely. But, it's, but it the, does it's, something. it's not interchangeable. It actually does something specific. Yeah, but what are the heroes going to do with it once they get it? They're just going to hide it. Give it back to Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It, that's that's where it gets a little questionable. But I think it, I think it's a I'm MacGuffin. I'm not questioning you. I would I'm not saying you're wrong. I would I'm call saying it. it doesn't really fit in with I, that a traditional I'm not, definition. I'm not sure what Hitchcock would say about it. Is basically he'd say, "Whoa, I, I can't do a Hitchcock." This movie ruled. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to add my third Hitchcock impersonation. <laughs> I don't even know how Hitchcock sounded at it, that point. Because really, really, the modern day definition is the thing that they want that drives yeah. the story. I uh, think this is definitely a case of a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. The the Tesseract. Oh yeah, Tesseract. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then every other object since then that people are going for in the various movies are MacGuffins too. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know how know how useful it is for writers to think about MacGuffins, so to speak. Yeah. I think it's just one more piece of vocabulary that they should be yeah. aware of. You should definitely understand. be aware of it. I often do. Yeah. If I'm like coming up with something, I'm like, "What is the MacGuffin?" And then sure. I'm, then I try to subvert what a MacGuffin is. Yeah. yeah. If I can. The anti-McGuffin. Anti-McGuffin. Yeah. Anti-McGuffin. <laughs> but by the way, Hitchcock didn't invent that term. It was a screenwriter uh, that he worked with. So just Jim McGuffin. To... Well, you know what's funny? His name is a- Angus McPhail. So oh, really? McPhail. It does, have a, it does have a Mac in there. Yeah. I kind of want to write a movie that's like uh, where the McGuffin's a McMuffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> I'm sure it's been done. <laughs> yeah, it has been done. Or, or just a McDonald's commercial. Right. 
Anyway, about the Avengers. <laughs> Be like the McDonald's yeah. Avengers. Right, right. Why not? A you super know? team trying to get McGriddle has Dude. to play him. I don't want to. I don't want to be friends with anyone who doesn't want a grimace movie. Oh, oh, do you want to see a grimace be born? <laughs> yeah. Where did he come from? I mean, really, that really that was the first cinematic universe, though. I mean, yeah, you know, the Hamburglar, yeah. Ronald McDonald, the Fry Guys, it's, Birdie. It's relevant, That's definitely. Right. Yeah. Why does Birdie have to wear a helmet to fly? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Getting so into the dialogue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Test so we're going to talk about the dialogue. Yeah. I mean. It's a quippy movie. Yeah. You know, it, it establishes jokes that are actually, I, I, one of my favorite thing in Thor Ragnarok, I don't know if you guys seen Thor Ragnarok, yeah. um, was that it brought back jokes from like seven, eight years ago, <laughs> you know, like the fact that there is that point break joke about yeah. Thor point and break. the audience got, yeah, it. got it. Yeah. I was like, that's how much this movie held yeah that people could actually in the theater like laugh out loud at a yeah. joke that i'm not sure people originally even understood right <laughs> like, the reference the reference to it right so yeah it's yeah i i, I mean with uh whedon's known for his dialogue yeah uh, he he's definitely quippy um I would say he he writes dialogue like we wish we would speak on our best day. Yes, like everybody's super clever and things like that. It's almost a lot of asides. A lot of asides. A lot of self awareness. Do, um, do you think it's too cutesy at times? I I love it. I uh, love I'm, it. Okay, I'm not. It's not an insult. I'm right. just saying. No, you're insult. I feel insulted. Okay. <laughs> no, no, not to him. I know it's insulting you. I'm saying. Do you ever feel like it's cutesy? Don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> feel like it's cutesy, Jamie. Um, no, you know what I'm saying though. Like sometimes it can feel come off cutesy with well, like me like, having like, everyone everyone talk being that all way. smart. Well, yeah, yeah like kind of like a Juno. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of um, like, do we need five Deadpool's? Uh, yeah. Should there be a straight man? Yeah. Uh, I think Captain America serves he for does. the most part. And even he gets equipped. You know, yeah. I understood that I understood reference. That. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. I think the biggest danger is all the characters can end up sounding the same. Yeah. And it's almost like the writer taking control. For some reason with the Avengers, I feel less like that. Yeah. And I think it is because these characters are so established. So he's filtering his weedness. Through, them. through through the character, he also knows yeah. them from the source material too. He That's does. very yeah, obvious. He knows too. it very well. Because I I think with dialogue, as long as the characters have motivation in the dialogue and they're not just talking about something random, then you can kind of filter that motivation. Because really, dialogue is just taking action to achieve a goal usually, yeah. and then you just filter it through all their psychological hangups right. and, yeah. and quirks and weirdness. Yeah, and I, I think he does a really good job in this movie. I think so. So some of the things I noted were um, he verbalizes power struggles really well. You know, every single one of those scenes feels like a power struggle between mm -hmm. every and multiple characters struggling right. for power within each other. E even know? in a lesser way, with like the Pepper Potts Iron Man. Oh, scene totally, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, There's yeah, the power struggle yeah. there. It's just a subtle, you know, it's it's like r romantic talk, but there's a subtle struggle, like twelve percent the credit. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> it's not like toxic. It's not like no, not at all. Bringing it down, it like it, it builds it up. Almost. Oh yeah, like yeah. they're fighting, but it works for the yeah. scene. Well, yeah. so even her and. That, so that so one thing that we didn't uh, write down on the list, but I wanted to talk about um, that I think this movie succeeds at better than um, any other aspect of the storytelling is giving every single character a moral and ideological like through line. Mm -hmm. Every single character, what makes them stand out is not just their powers; it's like what they believe in. You know, uh, Tony Stark believes something very different 
than uh, Captain America, and their clash is about yeah. like what they their morals, you know. And when you get all those people in the room, you know, uh, uh, Hulk wants to avoid conflict, you know, right, in the right. beginning, and he grows. Every single one of them learns from each other's idea like morals, mm-hmm. and I feel like mm-hmm. they they in the beginning all the conflict is they're like what you believe in is wrong you know and right. by the end they're like oh i understand why you believe in this and i respect that they, they learn to work together based on their morals and i feel like that is like definitely informs the dialogue big time you know um and i think uh, a lot there there's a lot to learn even from with that. nick fury like yeah. even oh, down yeah. to nick fury the lengths works. he's gonna go right to, like he just wants to win the war you know he'll do anything to win the war you know it's his matter also this is a weird I, I guess this goes with your point, but this is a weird thing I noticed this morning while watching it. But a lot of this movie, um, it, it's it's the characters are written so well that it conveys to me that a lot of the movie is Thor is like sad. This yeah. is, it's really like it doesn't. It's not his normal thing. For he all feels of guilty. Movie. Yeah, like the guilt. It, it, I was like, it actually yeah. really sticks and yeah. well. Like how he views this all as his fault. Yeah, from the previous movies. From the events, previous movies, so Loki's smart. his responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. He feels kind of shame, but there's like a moment where like he gets blamed for everything. Yeah. And instantly, he's on the defensive. <laughs> I was like, it's actually pretty meaty. Like all that with him and Nick Fury and them blaming him. And yeah. I was like, I, I've never really thought of it as a Thor movie, but it kind of is he's on the got, backbone on of the it. Backbone? Yeah, because, like the back, because of his story with Loki, with Loki yeah, and yeah, everything. Loki's it's kind of like the end of yeah. that story. Yeah. in a way but it's well written oh yeah it's just a small tiny little thing part of the movie and i was like man he's really sad in this movie <laughs> he's like really sad okay yeah but um yeah because i read a lot of scripts i don't know with your students if you read a lot of this and there's conflict right so they get the dot they let they get the conflict right but the conflict isn't based on like the character's like morals at viewpoints you know yeah, well, uh, yeah yeah so so you're saying the conflict itself isn't based so they're not finding the right conflict are you saying how they deal with the conflict? how they how they portray the conflict often in the scripts i read isn't based on the character's belief system yeah yeah and i I think that's that's the thing so if you look at like the really bad on the nose dialogue like the one i always like to show is the phantom menace (laughs) you know it has totally on the nose dialogue so these characters are not really even characters they're just these kind of props where they're saying lines to get to the next scene to get to the next scene and they're having a love story and it's just like i I love love you you. (laughs) i love you too your skin is hot i'd like to mate with you and instead of this scene where again it's filtered through these characters a lot of times it's just like with i I mentioned uh tony stark and pepper Potts. the way they talk to each other they're never saying I love you no. or anything. They're just But you feel these... them saying I love you, you without oh, saying yeah. it. It's it's well done. Yeah. 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 You feel there's you know, even even when uh Coulson comes in to interrupt and stuff, then there's like a jealousy aspect yeah. to it. Yeah, he's stuff, like Phil. When yeah. did you since when is he called Phil? <laughs> and it's amazing too, like Coulson's so well written in this movie that only like the small bit of fandom of Cap just defines him completely right you know what i mean like you gave him a heart with this tiny little storyline it works before you kill him like it made that death so much more heartbreaking because he was a fan of captain america right because it's it's really well done he's almost like the audience in some ways yeah that's what he's almost like he's almost like the fan in the audience like wanting loving the characters now i don't know that the fan in the audience really feels like these characters shouldn't be acting this way. Like that's how he's, he yeah. like, 
He's the one that sees the optimistic side. Yeah, he that, believes in them more than they believe in themselves. Right. Yeah. He's the believer. Who, who's he, he, Coulson. Coulson. Oh, Coulson. Coulson. Yeah, Coulson. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. He, he, he knew this was going to work the whole time, you know? I, to some degree, I think Fury also plays that part. Yeah, right? he does. I mean, but he's also fighting with yeah. others that don't. <laughs> that he's don't. Actually, his belief is being questioned by the council. By the council, yeah. Yeah, whereas Coulson doesn't have anyone thrown yeah. it in his face. He's just yeah, pure fanboy, I guess. Fury is kind of the cynic as opposed to the optimistic Coulson, yeah. too. He, he has a well, side of him yeah. that he's going to keep some weapons just in case, yeah. too. Like, whereas I think Coulson's the type that wouldn't you know make some weapons to fight hawk because he believes in the well, best of hawk yeah i, I agree. think it would uh also to give credit to this movie looking forward to where it went uh it also gave it made it made fury a much more interesting character oh, yeah. because from this moment on it's like we know he's there to save the world completely but we also don't trust him he right. was, he's always got something up his sleeve no matter what and it, it plays well in the future and he mentioned you know? in the commentary that he was sure they were going to cut all of the, all of the gray area of fury that would have been such a shame yeah no he was yeah. sure that they were just going to keep also, him like yeah don't cut on, sam yeah. jackson what are you insane <laughs> he gets paid a lot of money yeah <laughs> come on yeah, you want but sam jackson on screen he, he was like talking about every time there was a scene where samuel jackson was be- i mean uh, nick fury was you know when he's holding the bloody cards mm-hmm. he said I thought there was no way that there, this was going to be allowed to stay in the movie. So I'm glad that they did, that they let him do that. I mean, the, yeah. to reveal that, like, he... Yeah, that he... he did it he as a ruse? It. Yeah, yeah. But that gives that yeah. whole thing character. Yeah, I mean, I that's all character but right he, there. He was convinced they were going to cut it. So I'm glad they kept it. Thank you, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that why they're, we're here right now talking yeah. about it? Why Infinity War's coming out in a few weeks? Yeah, like because because... Because they let they that let stuff that happen. Stuff happen. Yeah. They let the filmmakers do what they do, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, one other dialogue thing I wanted to mention. Um, he, this was an example of this is something that, that got cut. Um, he does a lot of verbal setups that are then visual payoffs. So an example is um, they're having their quips back and forth. And uh, um, Iron, Tony Stark says, you can smell crazy on Loki to, um, to oh, Bruce I Banner. I lo- yeah. And that was originally a setup for a payoff later for a scene that got cut where there were where uh, Loki was making multiple versions of himself in front of Hulk and then Hulk sniffed and that's how he, oh, he really? beat up Loki yeah so but he does a lot that's of stuff awesome. like that just he uses he uses dialogue as set up payoff a lot also that, in I that scene really... that exact moment when he's like insulting Loki and then Thor's like you watch what you say. He's my brother. He like he killed eighty people so far, and he's like he's adopted. He's adopted. Yeah, yeah. just a great moment. Yeah, great dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So there, I I do think there's a lot to be learned. You know how to do dialogue well through this movie for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I, sometimes <clears throat> before I go into a script, I do like these heavy-handed, quippy, clever dialogue writers. The the um I don't know Aaron Sorkins, the Diablo Codys. The, yeah, uh, Tarantino to an extent. Who else? Amy Sherman Palladino from yeah. Gilmore Girls. I actually, I actually love watching things they write, and I get that in my head when I'm writing because it just inspires me. Like, look how clever! I'll never be that clever, but I should think about being at least a I little like it, more in clever. real life. It you gets mean. you yeah. into yeah. the yeah. rhythm. Yeah, yeah. it gets me in the rhythm of something. And, yeah, cheers. And yeah, yeah. Watching when uh, I think. Uh, Oh, I thought you cheers were just saying cheers. 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 <laughs> you mean cheers, no, cheers the show. The, show. Okay, yeah, the yeah. dialogue is so well done cheers consistently. To you. Cheers to you, Jamie. <laughs> I thought you were actually saying cheers too. Cheers. So, um, 
I, I held up a glass. That's, well, that's a that's a piece of dialogue I'm going to add into my own personal repertoire. I'm just going to start saying cheers more. In the middle of conversation. Yeah, just cheers. Cheers. You mean the cheers. show? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, which is something I'm excited to talk about because me and Jimmy have argued it several times in the past, which is stakes and superheroes. We've argued it a yes, lot. In the I past. feel like I've won you over a little bit with my because you were you were arguing like I was what two years in ago. Life. Yeah, not about this script. Not yeah. about this script. But you were arguing. Well, that's but you know that's what we should yeah, talk yeah. about. Why does this work? But people have been reading these stories for 70, 80 to one hundred years, and they ne- they always read those comics knowing that so and so's not not gonna, gonna die. die yeah not I, gonna die and, and, and when they do die it's announced it's like this it's is the issue event. where cap dies yeah, yeah. you want to so buy this issue? no one yeah. no one saw this movie and assumed anyone on that team was going to not no make way. it. like but how does how does this script make the stakes real i was Go gonna say colson but yeah colson they do, i was gonna say colson kill but, off of beloved kind of character. yeah beloved character, I mean, character yeah. We've grown is that around. enough though like do you feel like... i think it's enough yeah I, um i think i think too it's it's one of those weird it's one of those weird things where as long as we worry about the characters and whether they'll succeed in our own kind of part yeah. brain sort of way i think that's that's the key. I think that's where the nuclear bomb comes in. It does. The it nuclear does. bomb, I think... I'll, I Which think... will definitely kill at least three of them, right? <laughs> yeah, because part of the stakes isn't death for them. It's failure. It's failure. Failure. It's failure. And that's yeah, exactly right. what I was just about to say. Is, My point, is they have goals, right. and they're based on their you know morals and ideologies, and if they fail, that's enough, I feel like. I, I feel like Jamie just said the better answer that I should have said to you like two years ago. Because <laughs> I was trying to argue with him why superhero movies still matter even if we know they're not going to die. I'm on your I'm I know on you're your now. You're now. on my team. But I remember then we had maybe that, I wasn't. Well, you were not then. Yeah. We had a big argument about it. Yeah. I, I, you right. know, we're, we're so angry with each other. No, we weren't time. actually <laughs> mad. We were never mad. I'm not saying we had that. We discussion. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I found in myself, I tended to gravitate over the years towards stories that there was a visible price that was paid for the victory. I don't, I don't oh, know what there is. That works well. Yeah. And I don't know in, in superhero movies. So even like Thor's guilt would be the example of a physical price. I need a physical price to be paid okay. uh, to really make it feel earned that they won. Okay. Um, whether that's a death of a relative, whether it's a sacrifice of a relationship, sacrifice of a relationship. Uh, something, you know, yeah. whatever, or just a personal sacrifice. I, I personally gravitate toward those stories. They feel more real to me. Um, and when it doesn't have that, it feels like a little bit like we're missing something. Well, do you feel like, I mean, the whole end is based around Tony Stark sacrificing himself. The fact that he lives, we know he's going to live. Yeah. But I guess it kind of, it, it rounds out his it's character. That we know that he would have done it. Yeah. That he would have totally died, died for, for yeah. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm, it doesn't does it it doesn't water it down that he actually lives does it no i don't in think this so. in this case in this tone in this tone it's fine yeah, yeah. do you think that need to die do you think that the success of the team itself and the importance of that team is is stakes itself meaning meaning like this is their first the outing first, the first so. outing so if this doesn't work if they can't get these people to work together like what does this mean so, for the rest sort of, the of world? metaphoric to the whole franchise yeah yeah <laughs> I, it's a meta. It, do you think? I think those are stakes in, I think the, all, in the in the story. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah. To go with what Jamie said too. I think um, there's a lot of Sorry, stakes. <laughs> right. There is really meta. There's a lot of stakes too. Uh, they really. Joss Whedon's really good with this in this movie, um, with making the Hulk really part of the stakes. Like, because he's everyone's kind of number one. It's like there's a horror movie part with him pretty much hunting uh, yeah. Scarlet. Yeah. The Black Widow, sorry. And um He called him a werewolf in the uh, right, commentary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh but to some degree, like it, it's scary. It made the, the the whole end scene, it's like what the fact that they made the Hawk part of the team is such a victory <laughs> and it was like scary, like, is that gonna work? You know? Yeah. The whole time you're want the whole rest of the movie, you're like, is he a good guy? Yeah. <laughs> They're re- which is the Hawk's whole deal, but I think this movie juggled it really well. Really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you there know, are two hawks. That's what it was. No, there right. was two hawks. Yeah. No, additional... There's been criticism, too, of why he's good at the end, but I just assume it's when he turns himself, he's he can control it to some degree. Ad- additionally, with, <laughs> additionally, with stakes, two points. One, the new movie, it sounds like we'll get some deaths. Like yeah, the new I Avengers. Well, so. we got actors that don't want to do this anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Contracts so, are running out. Yeah. So they're going to be able to, they're going to they be able can... to squish some people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which will be weird because uh, really we weird. haven't seen that yet yeah. in these movies. So different conversation, but yeah. I don't know if I'd want to see other people step in anymore. Neither, just let it go. I think let it letting it go is like let the healthiest the thing. and find done. new ones because yeah. uh, these this, these this movie especially cements the casting. Yeah. Like, yeah, we had all their individuals, but once this happened, I was like, I don't want to see anyone else as these characters yeah, anymore. It's enough. They're they're them. They did it. You know? I, I think Black Panther Guardians have shown us. The world is now accepting of these new characters. Oh, these, and a little bit weirder. Out, weirder. Yeah, outside uh, of the, yeah. It, it wouldn't shock me if we got to a point where they just created a character that wasn't even in the comic Base, books. That'll, yeah. That's probably MCU the next clip. Original. You know? think? Yeah. yeah. An MCU original. They have so much to dig from, though. I don't think they'll do that. And they do have some weird stuff to dig from. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. It would seem bizarre, but it wouldn't shock me. It's almost but, like the next huge Yeah, clip. you got Guardians. The fact that they made money off Thor movies, like... Yeah, I never thought that would even happen in my lifetime. Yeah, you know, a lot of money, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it doesn't make any sense that 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 worked. So now they're probably they're they're willing to do anything. Man. <laughs> the the other thing to mention stakes in superheroes is the bigger stakes, the stakes of the world ending. Yeah. Um, instead of shawarma, of course. The, the, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's kind of a thing in all these movies. It's there with the exception of them when we got to Spider-Man, for example, and the lower stakes happened. Um, Which I really enjoyed. I did too. Yeah. Me too. And cuz I think this it's is a nice few years This is a few Ant-Man years too. I really yeah. enjoy the low me stakes. Too. Yeah. yeah. I I think we're sort of getting I won't say bored with the the world's going to come to the end. I but, hope so. But yeah. In Ant-Man though, I felt like that villain in Ant-Man, while he maybe not be the best villain, I felt like he would kill anyone at any moment. Mm-hmm. So in the weirdly low stakes movie, as opposed to this, I felt like anyone could die. He would like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he, yeah. he he seemed like a mass murderer. Well, I think your point is taken. There still has to be huge stakes. It still has to feel like the end of a the end of the world to somebody. Yeah. Whether or not it really is the end right, of the world right. or it's a personal end of the world. Personal end you know? of the world. Yeah, make it personal. Yeah. But yeah, all these movies, end of the world. But these movies weren't it. I mean, I couldn't imagine an Avengers movie and it's about a bank robber. No. You know, it just doesn't, it yeah. doesn't work. No, if it's if Avengers is in the title, it should be the whole be world. Be about the end of the world. It's, and that's fine. I, I like, yeah. you have to give this some slack. Sure, the Chitauri are basically just nameless soldiers to yeah. beat up. Right. And we could sit here and criticize that, but I'm like, that's kind of the right choice it for works. the first Avengers yeah. movie. They needed a nameless army yeah. of floating 
snake eels and, <laughs> and weird aliens. It didn't matter, you know? Yeah, my, my memory of reading Avengers comics as kids was kind of that. Like, I don't remember them for the villain's plan or yeah, the great right. villain plan. It was just kind of them teaming up against something and dealing against with them. it yeah. in an episodic way. Maybe the Ultimates. I, I don't remember. the Which, this seems to be based off the Ultimates the comic Ultimates. books a lot, if you if you've read those. They probably, well, Nick Fury especially. I mean, yeah, yeah, they probably started to narrow the focus of the villain's plan a little bit and really bring a villain front and center. I'm sure, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm speaking for all of comics. There are many stories that, that did that in the Avengers. <laughs> I was a huge stuff. fan of the Ultimate comics. Me they too. really shook Me it up too. well. They didn't change yeah. things that were lame. They made it like cooler. I don't know if you know what we're talking about, Jimmy. But I don't, but that's okay. It was just like a reboot of the Marvel Universe, okay. but still while the regular continuity was oh, going they kept the other storyline so like going. nick fury just was sam jackson in that comic oh. so that's like a meta casting is oh, that wow. they just drew him as sam jackson yeah so strangely if you go back to them now they'll just feel like oh it's obvious yeah because now you've seen all the movies and you'll be like oh this is obviously they take, the source material they take a lot of stuff from that i think that was the first time i'd ever seen someone push hawk off like a helicopter oh yeah Remember, mm-hmm. and then they yeah. did that in the first Hawk movie, and now yeah. I feel like he just gets pushed off of things all the time <laughs> right. to get him to turn into That's the Hawk. That's the new trigger. Yeah. Fire right. him out of a cannon or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, as, a, as a lifelong Hawk fan, I actually, when I first saw this, I almost teared up when he talks about killing himself. Aw. Yeah. But, I mean, it was effective. Like, yeah. that's something oh, I yeah. wanted to hear my whole life. You know, yeah. what would it happen I tried if Bruce... It, he said. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that scene is really well done, oh, yeah. and it's in this giant goofy colorful movie and i was like man they gave him like everything he needed if if it, edward norton had said that though you would have laughed i was yeah. fine with edward norton if he wasn't such like a edward. jerk yeah. he would be he would have done fine in all these movies i yeah, don't think, it, I think he, so too. yeah he's if, just if he would have been allowed to rewrite them yeah that's the <laughs> yeah. problem we would have been problem. talking about Rufo, a different script Rufo right now i don't yeah i love both of them Rufo is better but norton's fine i no, i i really like edward norton columbia resident uh, I like yeah. I like Incredible Hawk. I yeah, like me the movie. Too. No, me I too. I actually don't understand why people dog it so much. I like, like it too. It's a pretty solid Hawk movie. I, I don't. I, it's fun. I yeah. I give Edward Norton the writing reins again for another movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Th- the opening is like the perfect uh, like TV remake. Yes, it's I like never really about well it. done yeah. and everything. It's continuity. You can't run from it. Eh. Anyway, let's uh, talk about this thing. I want you. I want you guys to talk about this act breaks okay elements that define an act break <laughs> and how this movie fits in yeah so I, the reason i brought this one up there's a youtube channel video whatever you call it, <laughs> the youtube they sound like an old man here's your sting god it's uh, like tv on the internet <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah there's a series i highly recommend to the screenwriters out there and who else is going to be listening to this right uh called lessons from the screenplay and he did a breakdown of the avengers uh, and it's sort of as much, it's less a breakdown of the Avengers and more him wrestling with, uh, save the cat and Truby and that kind of yeah, thing. Truby. Like he's, he's like, do these things make sense? Do they, do they help my writing or do they cloud things? And he broke down the Avengers using them. And then he kind of re-asked like, well, what's, what's the purpose or what's the reason behind an act break? And I thought that might be an interesting question for us. To kind to, of for ourselves. To unf- unpack yeah to unpack yeah. um yeah i can tell you his is similar to what the way i usually go about it at least with the first act break i usually say the first act break typically a character makes a choice but not always yeah. sometimes they're forced into a choice 
and they go into this point of no return. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're in a new world. They're, they kind of have to go in this direction because of a choice they made or something like that. For me, with the first act, I always test it by testing it against my log line. And I say, if my log lines all have a goal, a hero, a goal, an obstacle, and stakes. And if all of those things are established, generally I say it's time to move on to the next act. Because, yeah. you know, once the hero chooses some goal to pursue and there's something in his way, it's time to move it's on to, to, to the next on. act. Yeah. That's, so that's not what his answer. I'll give his answer. After so I'm with you on a lot of it, almost verbatim. Uh, I think it's it's the moment the act break is the moment like uh, the world will like you said point of never point of no return the world will never be the same for the character again they could never go back to the way things were before for instance marty is marty going to get back to the future now right so it's when marty um i'm really big on uh, a lot of people call it central dramatic question i like to call it central story question csq mm -hmm. is like my my uh uh abbreviation for it and uh for me the end of act one solidifies for like the first set for the whole first act we're trying to figure out what this movie is going to be about right and it we're, it's coming into focus slowly 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 so the so, so you know the hook creates the the hint of what this movie is going to be about and all the events leading up to the choice at the end of act one then bring that question into focus so it's will marty get back to the future and that question doesn't become definitive until the end of act one okay yeah that's so, that's how i define it the lessons from the screenplay guy define something similar he and, and again he was experimenting he was trying to see and i highly recommend uh checking it out but what he basically was trying to say was there are five acts or so, so many acts oh, okay. in, the, in the movie. And he views an act break as when the question that needs to be answered changes. So he, I can't remember exactly how he did it. So please go to YouTube and, and see it. But maybe like the first act break is will the Avengers come together as a team? Ah. Will they capture Loki? Uh, now that Loki's free, can they stop Loki from doing? So every time there was like a significant change, he was defining that as an act. Gotcha. I feel like there's more than five. Then there are many. I well, those are sequences that, that for me. Go upwards of ten almost. Well, those are for me See, sequences. That, yeah. To me, that's it. It reminded me of the sequence approach. Yeah. And the sequence approach has eight of them. Eight of them. Yeah. But but you're absolutely right. Can you explain the sequence approach for those sure. of us? Sure. And I think we did. We it talked on about one another one. one. But we, we can talk can, about it again. We should do it again. Yeah, I mean, just in case anyone's listening. So the sequence approach. Um, the, breaks down a movie by eight sequences, eight parts, eight equal parts. Each one of them has kind of a governing question. Mm -hmm. um, they're mini movies. They're mini movies, eight mini movies. So you could approach writing a screenplay by writing eight mini movies of, of something. In fact, when I used to write, I think we might have talked about this in the episode before. It's okay. I used to, I used to come up with eight titles yeah. for my DVD chapters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it could be like, Dorothy in Kansas could be mm -hmm. the first one. And it might be like, what's this movie about? Might yeah. be the question. Tarantino yeah. almost just does it inside the movie itself. He does. He does. Yeah, he does. And, yeah. and you could almost see those title cards yeah. put in front right. of these. But it's just a way to, you know, some people would rather write a short. So yeah. it's a way to say, hey, I might not be able to write a feature, but I can write eight shorts. Eight and shorts. come up with eight shorts that are sequential. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what his, so his approach to me when I saw it, I'm like, this looks like the, the mini movie. That's yeah. kind of what he's landing on. Yeah. Um, but I think you're also right in that even in the sequence approach, 
there can be different questions that float in and out from scene to scene, yeah. from scene, you know, from group of scenes to scenes. It doesn't necessarily mean there isn't one central question yeah. that governs the whole body. Yeah. But, you know, and I, I think it just depends on how you slice it. All these tools. Well, isn't though, the central question of movies like this just will the good guys win? Or Yeah. But isn't that kind of just the, cent- the big question? Being specific, it could be in this one, like. Will they stop Loki? Or yeah, it's usually they, based. That, so, no, no, so, so it's yeah, usually yeah, based. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I would say the central story question. I mean, I, had, I didn't really spend any time on this, but just pulling it out of my ass. I would yeah. say the central story. It's based around a goal, like mm-hmm. a visual goal, right? Mm-hmm. Achieving a visual goal, and so for me, I think I would define the central story question of the Avengers is: Will the Avengers manage to uh, get? The the Tesseract from Loki and stop the uh, Chitauris from uh, destroying the world. Will they win? So so yeah, will they win? But it's you gotta be here being a dick. (laughs) No, but you can keep abstracting it to you know. But you gotta make it specific and you gotta make it visual. The more specific, the more helpful it is for you to write the. So so your so your goal as a writer should be your goal. To what you're saying, Yeah. yeah, there's truth. I know. I was just. I'm just uh, being devil's, a devil's advocate. advocate there. He's right. the best devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, I I just would I would advise people to make it specific as right. possible. No, I would. As a I'm not against the specific <laughs> specificity of it. I'm just, you know, because I've had people who write a script and then you you st- take a step back from it and say, "What is this story about?" It's like, it's as simple as. Will they fight back? You know, yeah. and I don't think that's specific enough. You know, it's it's like, and we're talking about these things in retrospect. But there's as a, tools uh, to outline something, specificity is always better than being vague. Yeah, the more specific yeah. you, know, you get, the better. The more it helps you. Write. And not, I don't want to get off topic too much, but we talk about a lot of these things, and then I can like, I'm you know, I go back into the lawnmower man of my brain. I'm like, and I'm thinking about all like the classic, like very auteurist movies that don't have that question. And you, you don't want, have to do it, right? I'm yeah. saying there's a lot of great beloved movies that don't, and you yeah. don't even know where it's going until the end. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I'm thinking of like Cron- some Cronenbergs and stuff, like movies that you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's not like, yeah. will he succeed? Yeah. There's not, it's not it there. Doesn't have to be succeed. There, there is definitely a, spectrum. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely a spectrum. So oh yeah, there's yeah, a, sure. There's yeah. a the pyramid. I think I mentioned before that McGee. Uses. I love the pyramid. The, yeah. The art, the arch plot is at the top, and that's what and we're the, talking about. Yeah, and that's and the mini plot is down on the bottom of the pyramid. Um, uh, and the anti-plot is on the other side and it can fall your story can fall in the middle of that it can fall at the very top of the arch plot um most of these hollywood movies fall closer to the top yeah. okay i think they're just easier they, they realize that most audiences um can digest those easier there's not as much patience required there's not as much yeah. input you kind of can you're being fed things more i think in a, in a good way i'm not necessarily saying you're spoon feeding but people can sit back and relax and like be like, entertain me, right? As opposed, it's very to, de- yeah. digestible yeah. and understandable. The and four quadrant type of deal. Yeah, definitely. It's for but everyone. It have to be. It's for mom um, and dad and the kids. <laughs> and there's <laughs> right? another one. Uh, there's another one. Uh, William Martell talks about this, which I love. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill Martell yeah. known him for a while. Yeah, yeah. he he talks about the Good wrong stuff. way goal, okay. uh, where the character is self-destructive and their goal is a self-destructive goal. And it's a goal we don't want them to like leaving Las Vegas. Um, 
Yeah, I would say. Um, and right, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, definitely. You, you, don't you don't want, want him to drink in this yeah, sauce, I, I, right? So I that you, want, <laughs> you might. <laughs> Jamie guess. always wants to. Yeah, I guess you um, might. But. So, so then the goal is, will they learn the lesson and realize like their goal is not the right thing for them? Am yeah. I remembering something, or did you say something like Whedon approach writing this in sections or sequences? Oh, this is for later. This oh, okay. is for I'm the, the final, oh, the, yeah, yeah, the five yeah. point. Okay, um, we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah. We should start talking yeah, about let's that. Talk let's, about let's that. start. I mean, like, you guys said everything you need yeah, to know about, about act the, breaks. No, right? so, so, this movie's pretty heavy on uh, act we were, breaks. So, we were right? talking about uh, act... So we, we talked about act one. Did you want to talk about act two and act three? Uh, I You know, I, I'm good to... The act three is what I'm interested in. I mean, act two, I think we covered some yeah. of it in some ways. I think we yeah. did. I yeah. think okay. we did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about the finale. Yeah, so th- there's a thing that uh, Blake Snyder has. In, it's not in his first book. He actually... It became a blog post that he wrote shortly after his first book. And then it ended up in his third... It is in his third yeah. book, I believe. It's called the five point finale, or I've heard it called other things too. I think he might have called it the five step finale. That once. originally he called yeah. it something slightly different. Yeah, yeah. And he, and yeah. He, he changed his verbiage. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really like the five point finale as a tool. It's not so great breaking down scripts all the time, yeah. though it, it actually works pretty well. But I like it as a tool to come up with the third act when you're writing. Yeah. And because. The, the main reason is I see a lot of new writers, um, their finales, and we'll talk about this. So this finale is going to have at least five points, but a lot of times writers only have like two points two. to their finale. So it's just the predictable thing happens. Yeah. It's like the, the knight goes to kill the dragon and he does. Yeah. So it answers like the primary very question simple. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's a, it, it's a great tool to force yourself to think of the finale as a movie unto itself yeah a five point five sequence movie right. ups and downs yeah. yeah and i think with the movie like the avengers or we talked about ready player one or a lot of these big blockbusters they have more than five points in yeah. some ways <laughs> i i think it's gotten to the point where they want so that's why this doesn't work totally as a diagnostic tool it doesn't totally work after the fact because i think what they realize now I always feel like the third act, and they always feel overly long to me. I get a little bored. Like the movies, when is it gonna end? Yeah, yeah. but I think it keeps ending and ending again. I yeah. think yeah. they they almost view that third act though as like this is the last episode of the season. Yeah, right, we right. gotta pack it big. Right, it can't right. just be a regular episode. It has to be a big episode. Yeah. So I, I almost feel like it's a television show unto itself. That's how I think of these third acts and blockbuster movies. It is. You could almost <laughs> cut it off send it to us and it's you know now you're gonna watch the last episode or maybe it's even the last two episodes it's the two-part it, yeah two-part it's like a cliffhanger yeah. waiting yeah. for it that yeah, yeah. Like, here's it, where it picks up it's a cliffhanger so i'll go over the um what the five point finale is super quick yeah. and then yeah. if you can help me break it down yeah. uh, as best yeah, we I'm, can. Uh, I'm very interested <laughs> for this so star wars is one that easily breaks down yeah. in some ways I find simpler movies like Get Out or something actually break down easier than the blockbusters because they don't stuff it full of extras. Right. Uh, so the five-point finale, uh, it's it's just five plot points that can happen in your finale. The first one's like gathering the team. A lot of the suit-up kind of stuff is in this. Yeah, you know, suit-up. Guys putting yeah. knives in they their They actually say that weapons. in Avengers. So they, it's always, well, it's a joke by yeah. Stark, so... Yeah, yeah. And, and most of these action movies actually have this gathering of the team. Sometimes it's the plan scene, the planning scene. Yeah, like make the plan. The, the attack mm-hmm. on the Death Star, yeah. like we're going to go in here, yeah, and, yeah. and they're loading up. 
um, the last goodbyes or whatever yeah. before they launch the attack. The second one is the storming of the castle. Yeah. And it's basically whatever that plan, that suit up was. Let's go storm the castle. Sometimes it literally is storming, storming the castle. the castle. And other times... If Ready it's, Player if, One, I think, was yeah, literally it's, storming They have to storm a castle. castle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, She yeah. actually says, get to the castle. Um, have fun storming the castle. The, yeah. in, <laughs> and, and it's, it's based... It's, it is, like you said, it's based on the plan. So sometimes, if it's a siege story, it's defending the castle. Yeah, right. right. Right? So you're still doing the gathering the team. Everybody get together because we're about to be invaded. And, and yeah. in, a, in like a romantic comedy, it could just be like... I'm gonna go spill my heart to her yeah. during a wedding. It's or, yeah, very exactly. during the wedding. That's, that's based the on the I'm based on genre. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna yeah. drive to the airport, right, and, yeah. and, and stop them before they get the plane. Yeah. To drive to that's the, the castle. Yeah. yeah. So th- these things are analogous. Don't think of them too literally. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's based on the genre and the and and then the one that this is the one a lot of new writers miss. So if you're working on a finale, and the funny thing when Blake Snyder wrote his first book, and we. We're not preaching Blake Snyder. I know I talk no. about him a lot. It's, it's easy to understand. It's easy, easy to teach with. When he wrote his first book. He just had finale yeah. as the last 25 pages. <laughs> the he, end. He just said, this is the part that ends the story in a cathartic way. Or yeah, something. that was always my big problem with it. And he fixes it and and, when he, he comes out with this. Um, this is in the third book. Yeah, because he goes beat by beat. Like every 10 pages has a new beat. And it's like the last 30 minutes of your movie is just a beat called the finale. The finale. <laughs> So the high tower surprise That's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. The high tower surprise is the one people are missing, but it really says there almost has to be like this midpoint to your finale. You know, there's some false defeat almost yeah. or it's a, a, a false defeat is a good, it, it's good often way to a false conceptualize defeat. You, it, you yeah. often see like they get there and then, Oh, there's this rug pull. Like yeah. it's not going to be as easy. The villain gets thought. the upper hand again. The villain gets the upper so hand. I can again. see, I can see where you're going with this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Go ahead. And then, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's surprising how many movies have it almost beat for almost. beat. Without, I mean, I'm seeing all of it in the Avengers yeah. like so hard. Yeah. Just to, yeah, without ever reading it or anything. You yeah, know, it's just yeah. intuitive. All this stuff's intuitive. Yeah. Uh, so the next part is dig down deep, and dig down deep. The way I instruct this, and it's not always this way, but I think the dig down deep is the thing. It's them deciding to do something that they couldn't have done at the beginning of the movie. Right. So it charts. This is kind of the ultimate culmination of the character. Yeah. You know, and if you're, if you follow along with these things, it's the true moment of growth, it's the true, true the moment. True of moment. You, it's use the force. Yeah. You, if you follow along with these things, you'll have a character arc. The problem is people don't follow these and they kind of stuff a character arc yeah. and then it's it just, check in a box. Yeah. And it, yeah. it doesn't even he play needs into to the change end. here. She needs to change but, here. But the character's it, like, I have changed. I see it all the time, man. Oh man. That's if, all amazing. If, if you do the, if you do a high tower surprise, <laughs> and it since down when the, I go, it, it'll, <laughs> right. it'll insist that your character arc is part of the overall story. It'll make your character arc essential. If you yeah. do it right. Like it doesn't work without it. It doesn't work without it. So yeah. that's the dig down deep part. And then there's executing the new plan. So they come up with the new plan. Based on now that now that the uh, villains have taken the upper hand and they've realized if I dig down deep, I can take the upper hand from the villains again. Do you know what movie yeah. might be a better example? What's, there, there's tons. There's probably tons. <laughs> but it's making me think of Predator. Predator. Predator is a great example. Yeah. yeah. The whole like every point in there is pretty yeah. much covered. Star in Predator. Wars is is like 
that's true yeah. i don't know it just made me think of predator the whole Here, thing there's yeah. the weird thing i always have with star wars and that's the one they use for it before we launch into the avengers the avengers one the star wars one the high tower surprise isn't that big of a surprise to me like that's the uh, only oh, the one Darth I get... vader comes in with, uh, yeah. when, when i give that as an example right. the surprise it isn't like surprise we have a force field yeah it's more just like eh, it's not as easy as we thought yeah as you we know thought. so yeah. it's kind of more difficult yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's easy to track it's it's easy to track because then the use of force is the dig down, the deep. Dig down deep he blows it up you know yeah. it obviously has the planing scenes yeah. so star wars tracks easy the surprise isn't a huge surprise no, it's just like this is but i also think that says something about the high tower surprise it doesn't always have to be a big clever surprise it can just be like yeah that's not gonna work you yeah, know, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, we got to do something else. Um, so the Avengers, uh, again, help me with this. So the gathering of the team. It's definitely I when mean, he says suit up. It's and... right on screen, literally yeah. <laughs> happening. There's not. And it's what and and they get they all convene in New York, and then Captain Cap is telling them, "Okay, you do this and you do that," and you know the they, shot from yeah, the trailer. Yeah, is that's a, that. yeah, that's not. Oh, that's not. What that's we're later. About. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, Thor goes and deals with Loki. And uh, Iron Man takes the skies. You know, they all, okay, here's what we're going to do. Because cause the, cause the shot you're talking about doesn't come until the, come near the, the end okay, of the yeah, fight. Right, right. Okay. Um, and then the storming the castle is uh, like the Shatari is coming down. You know, the battle's raging in the middle of the city. Probably when, yeah. when the first like eel comes out of that thing. Yeah. Probably yeah. the actual like when it, they're like, yeah. okay, now it's a thing we have to put our whole body in here right, right. and the, yeah. everybody's fighting the shatari yeah. right the, i mm -hmm. mean that's the storming that's... the castle it's kind of like defending the castle really yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a siege on the city so yeah yeah um like real they're battle. really easy and interchangeable defending or storming i, the saw, castle, I read something it's really somebody... just means the plan or yeah whatever, yeah you know, yeah i read somebody that compared this to rio bravo I was like, that's a weird comparison. What's, I'm not familiar with well, Rio Bravo. Maybe for you, a better comparison would be a, Assault in Precinct 13. Okay. Yeah. Wow. A really weird comparison, but New York City as like the station and then like, the, you know. I like that. Yeah. Like, so the others are attacking. The one it, thing I, we, we didn't know? get to go in. I mean, we're kind of flowing here. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, let's just keep going and then okay. I'll say some okay. stuff about the last act. Okay, we'll talk about Rio Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like um, Rio Bravo? <laughs> The the high tower surprise is when the security council is like, no, f this, we're just going to send a missile in, in yeah, there. Yeah, nuke it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that that it's kind of a stake raiser, much like a midpoint big time. Would be. You yeah, know, it's personal stakes. It just got personal. It even has a ticking clock, just it like does. a midpoint would have. Yeah. yeah. So the dig down deep is actually Tony. It's Tony. It's Tony deciding, okay, I'm going to is sacrifice Is this Whedon giving the movie pretty much the Stark at this point? I, I, I think so. I, honestly, a lot of times if you want to see who your protagonist is or your most important character, this dig down deep is really we'll the place where you look. Will define it, yeah. Because all the rest of them kind of just stare yeah. while it's happening, and that's all they do. Yeah, it gives. Yeah. I would agree that it defines it gives, Tony as Tony the lead. The yeah. yeah. Which is probably no surprising thinking about that era of... And he... Yeah. His movie made Marvel. this all happen. It did. Yeah. It did. Iron Man's responsible. It's totally so. appropriate and yeah. fitting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the dig down deep is Tony deciding I'm going to sacrifice myself for the greater good and get rid of Which this missile. Which is great because it's in contrast with his character. Oh, it's he's perfect. An exactly. arrogant, he's yeah. selfish, greedy guy. Uh, goes selfless. I can see your, yeah. your wheels turning about this five-point finale. I can see it. Well, yeah, because... <laughs> 
I I don't think I've, I haven't only ever read the first Blake Snyder book. I never read the sequel. This isn't the so third one. The third I've, one's just as good. I'm not familiar good. with this, so it's um, nice to know. The I'm, second I'm one's the all diagnostic. One. You're in the third I'm one? I'm in the third one. Jamie! He mentions you? Absolutely. <laughs> I get a whole page. <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't... I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I that's why I keep plugging it unless I actually get some money. No, I didn't. I don't get any money. Um, I was just a friend. So then is it something you wrote or you? Me. I, I it's a long story that I'll I'll briefly synopsize right here, but I knew him before he wrote the books. I actually wrote a script with him before he wrote Save the Cat. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. You were doing a script podcast. You probably should mention I this guess, stuff. I guess. So <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, I knew him. He was a friend of mine before he wrote Save the Cat. He, he would try out his Save the Cat stuff on me while I didn't know he was writing a book. So he'd use all this jargon. Right. And I just assumed it was the jargon of weird L.A. types. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's um, my quick aside. So, so now the executing of the new plan is when uh, Iron Man, you know, sends the bomb through and then he falls to Earth and then they regroup together as a team. Now when Tony wakes up and you get that shot. You know, oh no, no, actually, no, that's not how that's that happens. before that. My my bad, it, but it is the Iron Man sending the bomb into the portal, and then um, the Avengers capturing Loki. So yeah, so capturing yeah. Loki, capturing Loki is the executing of the new plan. Yeah, yeah, just go, yeah. just basically just going, going, going to get him yeah, after yeah. the Hawk already beat him. Yeah, up. So yeah, yeah okay, exactly. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. So that's a five point finale, and I find it very useful for new writers just to force themselves to have something beyond. We go and we grab Loki. That's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what happens. Well, with because new a lot. Of, so yeah, you come into a, a lot of stories where the act three is let's get ready to get Loki, and then okay, we got Loki. Yeah, and yeah, it's like they, they end up being like ten pages long. Yeah. right. And a lot, a lot. I see that so it's often. Very, very common. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I see a ninety-page script, and eighty pages of it is act one <laughs> so, and two. So I find it's seriously. I, while this, and, ten, and, and, and. Yeah, so, so while this sounds intuitive forcing yourself through this exercise if you're writing a script to break all these things i think it can be very useful just to protect I yourself agree. yep i agree so just to, be, to clarify everything you guys are saying that the avengers is an excellent example of five point family yeah I and think so yeah okay. just for to solidify that statement when he was uh hired to do this Mm-hmm. They had two years. They already had like a deadline when they hired him. They had two years to get this movie made, right? Yeah. So they he didn't have a script, and they were like, uh, "We need to start working on the effects for the climax." Right. So he had to write this climax first, so that effects people could be working on it two years before they even like you know had it ready. Um, and so he said he wrote this in five acts, the finale itself, and he said he told him if if I'm going to be allowed to do Avengers. Um, the only way I'm gonna I'm gonna do an Avengers movie is I don't want to make it a superhero movie. I want it to be a war movie. And he said this this was kind of like his declaration. He was like, I'm gonna write a five act war finale, and if they don't like it, then like I'm not gonna do it. Okay. So yeah, so this was designed as, as five parts, just like the five point finale. Do you think he was conscious of that? Uh, I, I I would doubt if he I knew what the five point finale. Is. I don't think he needs stuff like this, yeah. man. Okay, it's, um, it is intuitive. Yeah, it's that's very why intuitive. I think it's yeah. more a tool if you're stuck or if you're new. Or I something just think like it that. it fits right in, like you said, because it's yeah. uh it's very intuitive. well. I, I think it shows that people are doing. You know, they're not just grabbing Loki. You know, he's thinking in bigger, uh, very experienced, yeah. one top of his game guy is yeah. is doing it in a way. 
very similar to this tool. This tool will help you get there. Just like all good tools, I think what what you find is people will put a name to something that you're doing. Right. Right. So you yeah. go, you're doing it right, and they're like, "Well, you're, you're doing that." Like okay. that's exactly. what, that's yeah, what yeah, this yeah. is called. What and often is. the tools. They go, here's how you could do it in a different way than that you haven't been doing it before. And you go, I never thought of that. I am going to try, try that, points. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I, I think to your point, like a movie like Predator, I totally bet it nails it. I bet so. Um, and, and that was way before any of this was written some on Some of paper. the movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Some of the movies today, they overdo the, oh. the finale. Or maybe not. I mean, to your taste. It, maybe you think it's great. But they tend to do more and more surprises. Oh, there's 10 high tower surprises. There yeah. might even be more and more pieces to the character arc decisions and dilemmas and stuff like that. I Whether or not that's a good thing, I think you at least need to have these five. The beats. five. That's my take. Yeah, I, I think agree. It depends on tone. It depends on your tone. Yeah. I really, I think a good movie to point to would be probably Kingsman. I think it has a couple i think it has a few more of those high tower ones yeah yeah that's than, okay no it's great yeah. <laughs> i mean like that's what i love about that movie yeah i but, i i think it would be wrong to like look at this and say oh you, you have, have three hi- high tower surprises that is wrong but i i think the, <laughs> I, I, I think the value of it is i i think the value of it is have at least these five things and you'll be in good shape. How to ensure that unless your you last have, act I mean, is dramatic. But I want to play devil's advocate and say, unless it's not there, don't force it. Well, I mean, I mean if it's not there, if you can, got your 10 minute. Can you think last, of a movie that it feels right? It is right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let's, <laughs> that's a, that's actually an editing uh, term or editing saying is if it feels right, it is right. right. So I, yeah. I can't yeah. think of any now, but I'm pretty sure sh- I'm sure there's some movie that ends abruptly immediately. And you're just like, what? And you liked it still. You yeah. Know? But it was like, for that's the end for it's doing something <sighs> different. I can't think of one off the top of my head, uh, but you know, so not that this did this, but like New Country for Old Men, it was just like we're about oh, to get people the scene hated and that ending. Boom! Though. Yeah, it's like what you know. <laughs> um, that that that's a different type of movie. But anyway, yeah, I'm well, sure there, there is one. There's often times where you want movies to just be like, and it's over, <laughs> like, yeah. and the song starts, you know, and the credits roll. I would say though that most of the mistakes you and I are talking about are not people that intend to do something avant-garde or not different. Not at all. No. They think no. they're doing this. And they're just right. kind of missing. Yeah. A, it's like, very what am thin. I missing? It's thin. Yeah. It's thin. Yeah. Kind of uh, underdeveloped and yeah. 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 Five point finale. Five yeah. point It'll finale. It'll help. That's Five a good, no, finale. it's a good, it's, I, I, I think I, in, like you said, intuitively, I, I knew what it was. Yeah. But. You've seen it a million to me, times. It, to me, it all, it's not so much, I would have guessed what a five point finale was wrong as the term before you just described it okay. i would have guessed it was the wrapping up of five different small storylines okay yeah which is different than yeah. what you just said okay. you know what i mean that's what that's what i would have assumed yeah. but now that you said and this that, doesn't uh, talk about the denouement either which is another one last little yeah thing. that's the, that's all another thing the applaud yeah every it's the, everyone takes a bow to the, the audience the yeah you most most what was uh, uh, the, what do you think that was in the avengers uh that's where they're all uh Back, to, they have one little moment together where they show them, uh, you know, they show um, uh, Banner and uh, Tony Stark getting into the 
fancy car and driving away together. They're all kind of yeah. like, and we're Thor and Loki like yeah. teleport away. Yeah, and, that's yeah. that's the moment where uh, the the people who are in the play stand up at the stage and take a bow, yeah. and we the, go. Blake, Blake Snyder does have a closing image, which kind of encapsulates that to an extent. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe not depending. And I think we should add one post credits. Post credits for this one. Yes. About the shawarma eating. <laughs> yeah. I really want some shawarma now. Yeah. yeah. Well. All right. Yeah. I think that's everything we I got on our list. Yeah. For the Avengers it. one. Yeah. We're going to see the new Avengers right now. Coming. <laughs> We're all I wish. I would. <laughs> couple weeks. Couple weeks. There's what, no screenings in, in uh, Baltimore. We, How about that? But our podcast doesn't get to see it early. I thought that was the one of the perks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's literally no screenings for anyone. So. Russo brothers, if you're listening to this, and we I know really you are, love one. Just send us a link. We've yeah. got Jamie Nash from Blake Snyder's third book. Yeah, that's right. Turn to page 87. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole page describing why you should send me the, the link. Just message him on Instagram. He checks it often. <laughs> What a weird joke. All right. <laughs> That's everything, guys. Avengers, I'm, I'm excited for the new one. Me too. I'm glad we did this, though. Yeah. I think it may actually kind of jazzed me up oh, for the I'm new ex- one. It made me excited yeah. for this. That kind of reinvigorated me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. All right. Bye. You've just listened to Writer's Blockbusters, a screenwriting podcast featuring two professionals and another guy. Available only on Thundergrunt. Uh.